Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. We are in the middle of a series called Hasaf. I was told you have to say it like that. I practiced, it didn't work out, um, but it is what it is. This is the series for the dreamer and the discouraged, the successful and the suffering. A story of how the promises of God can be fulfilled in the most unlikely of ways. We get to find out that God is not just the giver, but also the fulfiller of dreams. In week one, we started following the life of Joseph. That's why it's called Hasaf. It's just a fancy way of saying Joseph. And we find out he's the second youngest of 12 brothers and highly favored amongst their father. And God gives him a dream that he would one day be exalted over his brothers and even his parents. I think that's a dream many youngest brother, second youngest of 12 might have. But God does something in him and puts this dream in his heart. And he maybe doesn't respond great to it. We talked about that in week one. But God has a plan. And his brothers, because of his dream, end up throwing him in a pit. Some great brothers there, right? And ultimately selling him into slavery. I used to always want brothers. But after hearing this story, I think maybe I'm good <laughs> without brothers. Some pretty crappy brothers there. But that's where we find ourselves today, where Joseph is sold into slavery. And here's what happens next. We have 18 verses to read today on this Daylight Savings Time Sunday. But don't worry, you showed up at the second service, so you actually got your extra hour of sleep. You're good to go. I know that's why you came, right? So I believe in you that you can do this with me. Can we do 18 verses together? Yeah, come on. All right, we're gonna read, they're going to put it up here for us so we can all read along together. We're in Genesis 39. Here we go. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he, even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight, and he served him as his personal servant. He made Joseph overseer over his house, and he put all that he owned in Joseph's charge. It happened that from the time that he made Joseph overseer in his house and put him in charge over all that he owned, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. So the Lord's blessing was on everything that Potiphar owned. And with Joseph there, he did not need to pay attention to anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome and attractive in form and appearance. Oh, I cut the Bible just like slipped that one right in there. Um, yeah. Then after a time, his master's wife looked at Joseph with desire. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, with me in the house, my master does not concern himself with anything. He has put everything that he owns in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? 
And so it was that she spoke to Joseph persistently day after day. But he did not listen to her plea to lie beside her or be with her. Then it happened one day that Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the men of the household was there in the house. She caught Joseph by his outer robe, saying, lie with me. But he left his robe in her hand and ran and got outside. When she saw that he had left his robe in her hand and had run outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, Look at this. Your master has brought a Hebrew to mock and insult us. He came to me to lie with me, and I screamed. And when he heard me screaming, he left his robe with me and ran outside. So she left Joseph's robe beside her until his master came home. Then she told her husband the same story, which ultimately landed him in prison. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you would show up in this place and reveal your word to us today. That whatever part of this story you have that's for me, and that's for everyone sitting in this room, that you would illuminate it and bring it to life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if we're going to hang out together today, there is just a few things you need to know about me. And one of them is that I just have this reputation for being like, the dumbest smart person in the room. Like, I I don't know. I just create these situations that are just ridiculous. Like, I don't know how to describe it, except it's just, it is the anointing. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, But I, one day had told my son, Tyler, who's 10 now, but was nine at the time, that I would take him to Disneyland, just me and him. It was going to be a special day. And I said these, this phrase, it's a poor decision. I will write anything you want. (laughs) What you should also know about me is I am so terrified of heights. Like, I don't, this is really poor decision making on my part that I would, whatever you want, it's gonna be great. It's your day, yes. And what he decided he wanted to ride more than anything else was the newly revamped Tower of Terror. Like the Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy death drop. Like, I don't even know what it's called. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this. I promised. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I got this. Like, I've, I've got a little fight in me. So I'm like doing this whole number about like, nothing, my fear will not hold me back from experiencing life, and this is going to be amazing, and I know I'm scared, but it doesn't matter, and I'm like rehearsing every VBS Bible verse I've ever learned, like, like I'm like, be, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you, like, I am like trying to like pull it together, because you know, my nine-year-old does not need to see this. He needs to see like the overcoming mom, right? Like whatever you're afraid of, you can do this because this is your moment that you will remember forever. Well, it was, <laughs> but not for the reason that you think. So we, you know, wait through the ridiculous lines, dear goodness, and got onto the ride. And as I'm, you know, buckling in, because they're giving all the instructions on like how not to die. And I am buckling in and the person to my left could tell that my fight was waning. <laughs> like, they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. And, um, and this, this lady goes, is it your first time? <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she says to me, okay, well, you should know. And I'm like, tell me. Like, tell me. Whatever, whatever you got, anything helpful, tell me. You should know that when you think the ride is over, it drops one more time. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. I so appreciate that. And so we we get into the ride, 
And we're about like 7.2 seconds into the ride and it's starting to do this number, right? It's like getting warmed up. Well, that was enough for me. And I lost my mind. Like all fight is gone. And all of a sudden I am like gripping my nine-year-old's hand and I'm like huddled up against him. I wish I was exaggerating. Sobbing, like sobbing, not like, <laughs> like, tears, real sobbing, like people around me are so nervous. And not that I knew because I had no idea about anything happening around me. I just think I am dying. Um, And so the the ride continues and it comes to what, you know, is maybe the end. And I'm like, my my son's telling me, mom, it's over. It's over. You made it. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. And I'm like literally losing my mind. Like this is, I, God, I so wish this was exaggerating, but it wasn't. And, uh, and finally my son screams, open your eyes. <laughs> and so I opened my eyes to realize that I am the only person still on the ride. Like <laughs> the doors have opened. Everyone has left and the, um, the Disneyland attendant is just laughing. Like literally was not going to help me at all. <laughs> stand there and be like, I wonder how long this will go. Like, I don't know. Uh, But, and I tell you that story because fear is such a powerful thing, right? I mean, it's perfectly safe, we think. I don't know. But the fear is such a powerful thing. Um, And what maybe I'm more fearful of life even than heights is the fear that I may never see the dream in my heart come to pass. This is such a powerful fear that my marriage may never look like what it could or what I hope for or long for or dream of. That that business that I want to start may never may not be in the cards for me. I'm sure you've felt that too. It may not happen for me. Well, in this story, this is where Joseph finds himself stuck in the middle the place in between, where the dream began a long time ago, and it's coming to pass looks impossible. That's where he is here. The Bible tells us that he spends 13 years in between slavery and his next stop, which is prison. 13 years before he ever is positioned to do the dream that's inside of his heart. The place in between. Have you ever felt that way? Whatever you thought God might do, that seems a long time ago that he told you that. And maybe it's not working out. Maybe it won't happen. Well, as Joseph finds out, unfortunately, stuck in the middle, that's where your character and your integrity are on the line. That sucks. This is when we have to decide who we are right now. It'd be a lot easier. Don't we wish that we were like, well, one day when this happens, then I'll be all the things that I should be. But no, we have to decide right now, right now when we're in the middle. You know, my son, Dean, my other son, he is four. He told me two days ago, he goes, mom, I growed up so big yesterday that I turned five. (laughs) And I was like, well, isn't that convenient? Because you know you have to be five to be in the class he wants to be in school. So he thinks, let's just speed up this process. It happened. 
And I think so often we want, we do that, right? We're like, can we just, it's done, we're good, next season, next. Like, wouldn't that be great? But that's not how it works. We actually have to go through the process. And we actually have to fight these character and integrity battles. But gratefully, Joseph gets this one right. We had a lot of moments where we, Joseph, we're not sure about you, Joseph. But right now, he gets it right. He said no to Potiphar's wife and ultimately yes to the call of God on his life. So we're going to see if we can pull some keys to walking in integrity from the scripture. You guys with me this morning? All right, we're going to do three keys to walking in integrity. Number one, call temptation by its name. I love this. Joseph responds to Potiphar's wife by saying, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? You know, can you even imagine sitting in your, your tax pre- preparer's, I don't even know what you call this person, uh, your tax preparer's office and then telling you, hey, like you could save so much money if you just like had an office in your home. Like this would work, this would look at the dollar signs attached to just, well, all we got to do is write it down right here. And you said to them in response, how could you ask me to do this great evil, this sin against God? Like... <laughs> Can you even imagine doing that? But there's something powerful that happens when we call sin what it is. When we call sin what it is, it makes it black and white. It makes it a lot easier to figure out what the right path is. I think often we would prefer to call sin by another name, any other name. For Joseph, Many people believe that the captain of the guard would have been a eunuch. So how easy would it have been for Joseph to go down this path day by day when he was continuously pursued by Potiphar's wife to say, I mean, he can't really do anything about this marriage situation anyway. Like, this is as far as it goes for me. Like, I'm a slave. This is the end of what's happening for me. What does it even matter? How easy is it? to justify our actions the more time you spend thinking about it. I don't know about you, but I have a degree in justification of my actions, right? Like growing up, my mom still to this day tells me stories about how I created this elaborate argument about how everything I actually did in every situation that was totally wrong was absolutely fine. (laughs) I think some of you might have that degree too. We justify and replay the story in the scenario in our minds till the story we are telling ourselves is far from black and white. And then we're lying to ourselves. At that point, the enemy can pack up shop because we have done all the work for him. But thankfully, there's freedom. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. We have to go to war with what's on the inside. You know, I think there's people that you can name right now that you look up to that have strong character and integrity. But I guarantee you, they aren't just naturally good. They're not just better at doing life than you. I think that's what the enemy would like us to believe. They're not just better at doing life than you. They're great fighters. We have to go to war with what's on the inside. We have, I love that verse. Taking 
every thought captive like a prisoner of war. It means we have to chase it down. You can't just go, no, I'm not going to believe that. No, we have to wrestle it to the ground and say, no, call sin what it is. I'm not doing that. To have integrity, we have to be willing to deal with the sin in our lives. Ouch. Proverbs 10.9 says, The one who walks in integrity will experience a fearless confidence in life. That sounds good to me. But the one who is devious will eventually be exposed. Whatever is on the inside of you will find its way out. It will find its way out. That's why we have to do the work to go to war on what's on the inside. Call sin what it is. Number two, it's not just about you. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you? Oh, come on, you guys got to have a little more fight in you. Come on, turn to the other neighbor, try again. Turn to the other neighbor and say, it's not about you. <laughs> All right. You know, Joseph, in response to Potiphar's wife, brings Potiphar into the situation, the situation that his wife really doesn't want him in the middle of. You know, this actually affects him. He's given me dominion over this household. He's put this in my hands. This actually does affect a lot of people, an entire household. We like to think that our sin only affects us, that no one else will bear any of the consequences. But unfortunately, lack of integrity has a ripple effect, a tidal wave. I think most of us in this room have been on the receiving end of that tidal wave. There's someone right now that you could tell me whose poor choices affected you, affected you deeply. And most of the time, we don't get to see ahead of time what the cost will be. In this case, spoiler alert, we know that what was on the line for Joseph was the entire future of Israel. He ultimately lands in the palace and saves nations of people groups from a seven-year famine that would have wiped him out. That was on the line. Your dream isn't just about you, and neither is your sin. And just like the consequences aren't all about you, so is the anecdote. Bring others in on the journey. Don't hide. You know, when you bump into sin, it leaves a bruise. And when you bump into it enough times, eventually that bruise turns into internal bleeding. And some of you are bleeding out on the inside and you're afraid to tell someone because you think you're the only one. That's why we say every week, all the time, we're just all a little jacked up because we want you to know you're not the only one. We're just trying to get better. You're not the only one. I'd start to tell people, you got a problem. I got a pastor that's dealt with that problem. I don't care what it is. Yes, even the one you're thinking of right now. And if I don't, we'll find someone because you don't have to do this alone. Because together, we're this walking testimony of all the sin and the messed up motives and addictions that Christ has set us free from. It's okay to struggle. Just struggle together. Let's do it together. There's power when you bring people in on the journey. You know, just this week, I had to tell someone, oh, I just realized this ugly thing that's inside me. And here it is. There's power when you bring someone in on the journey. Number three, don't give up on the dream. You know, my favorite part of this story 
is not just Joseph saying no to Potiphar's wife, but also that he was so faithful. He was so faithful with what was in his hands. He spent 13 years being faithful to what was in his hands, both in Potiphar's house and in the prison later. It says that even in the prison, they put everything in his charge and he took care of everything. He was so faithful. You know, I think that often God is just calling us to be faithful to what's in our heart with what's in our hands. You have to be faithful with what's in our heart. And what's, that's hard because the reality is sometimes what's in our hands is someone else's dream. And you have to be faithful with someone just to what's in your heart with someone else's dream. You have to be faithful with someone else's business when you have a dream in your heart of the business you want to start. You have to be faithful with someone else's kids when you have a dream of what you want your family to look like. There's always an opportunity to be faithful with what's in your heart. I love what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, For we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. You see, our integrity is fully attached to the dream. It would have been so easy for Joseph to give up and think, that it's not going to happen for me. This is as far as it gets. He had to struggle with it. But I believe that somewhere in him, he thought, nope, that dream is alive. This matters. Our integrity is fully attached to the dream. If you're struggling with integrity, I bet anything you're struggling with the dream. See, this is exactly why the enemy tells us we're stuck and it's too late. Because he's hoping that you'll give up. But I'm here to tell you, it's not too late. It's not too late for your dream. And look at me, Movement Church. It is not too late for you. I don't care who you are, what you've done. I don't care how much bruising and internal bleeding you have from whatever you've bumped into. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. What does that mean? He was wounded for our transgressions. That means he actually paid the price for the poor decisions that we've made. Transgressions is when we've crossed the line and made a poor decision. But also that Jesus was bruised for your iniquities, which is just a fancy way of saying all the stuff on the inside. He already paid the price for all of it. His grace is sufficient. I don't care what you have done. I don't care what you think and the enemy has told you is too far gone. Jesus paid the price. And God hasn't changed his mind about you. I have an alarm in my phone every two hours all day long with a scripture I'm about to read to you. Every two hours. You know why? Because I need to be reminded that this is true. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. He doesn't change his mind. I need to be reminded of that. You know how hard it is to walk up on the stage and tell you? Because I have to remind myself. It's irrevocable. It's too, what is too late is God's dreams not coming to pass. That's too late. 
because God hasn't changed his mind about what he wants to do in me and what he wants to do in you. You know, Joseph had to wonder if it was too late. Things are building up to a finale. And the Bible says Potiphar's wife pursued him day by day. Finally, she seizes her moment and also Joseph's robe. Potiphar is Joseph thrown in prison for a crime he didn't commit, using his robe as evidence. Now back up. This is the second time Joseph had his robe taken from him and presented as false evidence. Do you remember back at the beginning of the story? Joseph's dad gave him a coat of many colors. And his brothers, when they threw him in the pit, removed his cloak, covered it in animal blood, and presented it to his dad as proof that he was dead. And now he's been stripped of the robes that would have shown his station as the highest rank in Potiphar's house. You know, this is important because in Egyptian culture, your robes would have told you everything you needed to know about someone. What their current role is, and ultimately, the limits on their future. But neither of these robes that Joseph was stripped of or situations he was moved from would have actually positioned him to fulfill the dream that God put in his heart all those years ago. And look at me, church. What the enemy uses as proof that your dream is over is quite simply God saying, I have a dream for you that only I can bring to fruition. God says, I don't need your position, your pedigree, or even your perfection. I just need your faithfulness. Because there's no dream I give I can't bring to pass. And there's no person I can't position to achieve the dream I put in their heart. God says, my word never returns to me without accomplishing the very thing I sent it to do. God hasn't given up on your dream. Don't you dare give up on it either. Don't you dare. He hasn't changed his mind about you. Every word that God speaks He says he brings it to pass. God is not a liar. He didn't lie about you. He didn't lie about me. He put that dream in your heart for a reason. And it's not just about you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Why do we tell you these things over and over again? Because it's the number one thing that the enemy tries to tell you isn't true. The number one thing. It won't happen for you. It's too late. Not you. Maybe someone else. But I'm here to tell you today, yes, you. Yes, you. Whatever's in your heart can be faithful to it with what's in your hands. I love that we sang this song earlier that said things like, sin has no hold on me. I love that. We can just declare it because God's goodness covers it all and he's paid the price for every bruise and every wound that you have bumped into so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask us all to stand to our feet and sing this song because I believe that God wants to do something in your heart to remind you that sin has no hold on you and that God's promises can come to pass let's pray together God you are good And your mercies are new every morning. And yes, today your mercy is new in this place. So God, we just ask that your goodness would cover us and that you would help us to grip onto the truth that it's not too late for me and sin has no hold on me and that you are mighty enough to bring your word to pass. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Could you stand together?
We're gonna pause and take a moment, like we do every service, because this is who we are, to allow somebody in the room to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the grace that could hold, cover you and say that sin has no hold on me. The Bible is clear that Jesus paid the price for all of it. And all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is declare that Jesus is Lord of your life. So if that's you and you feel that tug on the inside, this is my moment, this is my day, I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me. So everybody in this room, if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, join me in this prayer in the quietness of your own heart. Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, thank you for paying the price and covering me with your grace. Sin has no hold on me because you are Lord. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.